It's time for the Thursday free-for-all on the On the Airwaves, The Infinity Project. Good evening, everybody. It's Thursday night, or as I like to call it, Friday Eve here at Beyond the Airways, the Infinity Project. And since it is Thursday, that means it's time for the Thursday free-for-all. We're going to have stories that will make you laugh, think, cry, get upset, we'll fire a rant rocket, or six. And trust me, we've got a few rant rocket worthy stories tonight. <laughs> anyway, I am your host for tonight. I am Stream. Excuse me. And I'm joined currently by Red Ranger Tim. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Madame. And we also have Sadjo in the chat room as well. Hey, Sadjo, good to have you on again. Now, you probably wonder, where is the AZ magician? Well, guess what? Today is her birthday, and she's out enjoying her birthday dinner. So it's like, if she makes it to the show tonight, that's fine. If not, that's okay, too. Because remember, the first one we have on the show is life. That's right. Life comes first. Mm Mm-hmm. And who knows, that could happen for me on my birthday. Oh, my. Of course, it just depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. On depends. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just missing. All right. Well, let's see. Um, let's see. We got several stories here that are rant rocket worthy. But you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to start with a funny story, which happened this morning, and Janet just happened to be the one to post it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's close to Halloween when a meteorologist getting ready to do her um, part on the news gets a nice little scare from a clown. <laughs> so... So thank Janet for this one. But anyway, um, watch a scary clown frighten meteorologist April Warnecki during her Channel 3 broadcast. And like I said, this was this was actually this was back on Monday. Uh, who doesn't like donuts? April April Warnecki for one, at least not when they are delivered by a scary clown while she is on the air. Wernicke is a meteorologist for Good Morning Arizona on Channel 3, KTVK. She was starting to do the weather during Monday morning's broadcast when a scary-looking clown, kind of a cut-rate version of Pennywise in the It movies, just slightly different enough to avoid copyright concerns but still pretty, cre- still pretty creepy with rows of sharp teeth, showed up on the set walking right into the shot. Wernicke's reaction is funny and a little disturbing, as in she is disturbed. She walks off the weather setup, and it's green screen and into the news set with the clown following her, where Good Morning America anchor Javier Soto seems to find it particularly funny. Javier, is this you? Wernicke says as she walks off. But the rest of the clowns say Wernicke turns her back on him, never looking at him. Soto, for his part, hugs the clown, who bears a box of Hertz Donuts. Hurts donuts. Interesting. Co-anchor Olivia Fierro records it all on her smartphone, and uh, I'm just gonna—you uh, can look at it whenever you want. Uh, I'm not afraid of clowns in general, or Nikki said in the email Tuesday. Just scary clowns, really, just anything scary. And who wants anything or anybody jumping at you during a live broadcast? It's pretty jarring. It is, and pretty funny, alas, too. Plus, it's not the only time it's happened. I've also had haunted house characters, Mrs. Claus, and several comedians surprise me live on the green screen over the past 14 years at KVTK, Warnicky said. Sunday, maybe she'll get used to it, but money was definitely not that day. <laughs> oh, my. Poor thing. 
But yeah, you know it's getting close to Halloween when people start, you know, people start doing that. <laughs> oh yeah. And something else too. It's also, of course, um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we have a local sportscaster here. I forgot his name. Stephen uh, Gun- Stephen Gunner. That's it. Stephen Gunner. And what he's going to do is, if he can get twenty five hundred dollars raised for breast cancer research, he will turn his hair pink. For Friday Night Football Fever on November 1st. So it's like, I hope he gets it. I want to see him with the pink hair on my birthday. <laughs> Hello? I'm here. Oh, okay, sorry. have to watch out. You know how it is sometimes. Ah, uh, there's Bring It Boy. Bringing a boy is back. I haven't seen him in a while. Hey, hey, bringing, hey, bringing. <laughs> yep. But anyway, let's see. <laughs> I love that. I love that picture that uh, I shine had sent yesterday. I'm about to eat this bucket of ice cream with no spoon. Of course, the ice cream looks like an ass. <laughs> Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of the picture of, uh, I saw quite some time ago. I, I don't even have it to link it to show people. <clears throat> the picture of a huge burger. And mm-hmm. everybody knows how much I love burgers as much as I talk about them on Food Fascinations. And at the top it says, I'm into fitness. And at the bottom, fitting this whole burger in my mouth. Mm hmm. Reminds me of that. Yeah, it's like it's almost makes me think of that giant, that giant hamburger they have at the hillbilly hillbilly hot dogs place um, in West Virginia. It's like it is it's the size of a manhole cover, and it's like there's only one thing to do: cut it up and split it about between fifty and a hundred friends. <laughs> It's like there is no way in hell I could eat that thing by myself. <laughs> yeah, or those big, big, big pizzas. You've seen me mm-hmm. post a couple of times that you yeah. and a friend have an entire hour to eat the whole thing. Yeah, it's like as much I as, I, as, much as I love you. Yeah, I'm gonna say as much as I love you, Shirley. I can't have it be because I know because of dietary restrictions because of yep. you know diabetes and gluten free. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, I'm not. I would not purposely exclude you, but I know you can't have it. So right, it's like I remember one time I stu- see when I went on my road trip in 2016 to go see Janet. I had stopped at that steakhouse in Amarillo, Texas, and they have that little challenge where if you can eat a 72 ounce steak in one hour, you get to have it for free. And I, it's like, as much as I like steak, that's too much. I cannot eat that 72 ounces in an hour. I would probably be sick as a dog after probably 20 minutes. I probably would, too. I mean, I'm a big guy. I can eat quite a bit, but I doubt I can eat that. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, um... Let's see, we got some more good stories, but we also got some stories that, well, might make you a little bit mad. And let's see. Let's see. Uh, Tim, you posted this one about the woman dies in 102 
and direct TV charges and early termination fee. Before I, and before I read that, would you do me a favor and fire Supernova? I'll read One both, super- of my, both of the articles. I'll read both of my negative articles back to back, but we'll do one supernova for both. Deal. All right. In that case, everybody take cover. Oh yeah, you're you guys are not gonna believe this one. And uh, when I first read it, I'm like, yeah, first thought in my mind. Definitely a supernova rant rocket. So let me go ahead and paste the link here in the Facebook chat. If uh, okay, if you can put that in the B- in BTR for our friends over there, so they can read it. <clears throat> so basically, yes, I want, uh, according to ABC 13 out of San Lorenzo, California, uh, a woman died at 102 and Directv charges an early termination fee. This makes no sense, but I promise you it's got a, a good ending. Mm-hmm. Isabel, Albright of, Isabel Albright of San Lorenzo was among the oldest people in America, living through two world wars, 18 presidents, or I would say <clears throat> 17 presidents and a dictator, and multiple moon landings. She was born before television came into existence. Yet, ironically, she didn't outlive her satellite TV contract, and that was a problem. Everything was fine until we went to disconnect, and that's when all the surprises happened, said her son-in-law, John Manrique. Albright died last December at the remarkable age of 102. The family has been preparing the house for sale, sifting through boxes, closing up a life that spanned a whole century which was why the last bill from DirecTV seemed so galling. Although she lived more than 100 years, Albright still received an early termination fee from DirecTV. Or at least the family did, and they were stunned. They told us, we're going to charge you $160 for an early termination fee, Manrique Scott. She's gone. Nobody's living here. We're selling the house. You're going to tell us we have to keep the service at a house that's not ours? Albright had direct TV service for many years, so why the penalty? Well, it turns out at the end of her life, a caregiver moved in and her daughter stayed often. So the family added a direct TV box in a back room for caregivers. Little did they know that adding the service started a whole new two-year agreement with direct TV. Nobody told us that, Menrik said. And in fact, we made it clear when we added the TV in the extra room that it was a temporary thing. We're saying my mother-in-law's on hospice. We're not going to pay, you know, two-year contract. DirecTV said the family had to pay, even though Albright had died, because the bill was in the name of her daughter, Linda. But John says his wife was paying all of her mother's bills. Because her mother couldn't do it anymore, and a lot of people wind up doing that, Manrique said. We were trying to make sure that all the bills got paid. The Manriques kept calling DirecTV, asking for proof they'd signed a two-year agreement. They had no proof other than you started this new service on this date, and that starts a new contract, whether you signed it or not, Manrique said. 
Every time you hiccup, they start you on a new two-year agreement, basically. It'll run the rest of your life if you accept some other feature or other. They got you. Well, here's the the ending to this. Manrique contacted Seven on your side. KGO TV reached out to DirecTV, and soon after, Manrique received a letter of apology from DirecTV's parent company, AT&T. Company representatives waived the early termination fee after all, stating simply, we have apologized to the family and resolved this. This never would have resolved if I hadn't contacted Seven on your side, Manrique said. It turned out to be fantastic, thanks to you. And the and the reason that this needs a supernova rant rocket is the simple fact that they're saying you agreed to an agreement and you didn't sign it, you didn't even know about it. And mm-hmm. the person for whom the service is obtained passes away. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's extremely absurd for DirecTV or any other such provider to say, well, yeah, you're selling the house, but you still have to pay for the service. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. When my mother yeah. died, everything that she paid for that was in her name was shut off. Mm-hmm. Except except the internet, which I still needed. But I kept paying on it. They knew she was deceased, but they knew that I had lived with her as her caregiver and I intended to keep the service. So they're like, well, as long as you keep paying on it, you know, there won't be an issue. If you need mm-hmm. to shut it off, we'll take care of that when the time comes. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just keep paying on it. You know, I'm anything to worry. And I never did. When I had it disconnected, they took care of it. No questions asked. Right. Then that, but this next article is going to have everybody's blood boiling. Again, it had mine boiling. And I only told Shirley a part of this prior to uh, the uh, show starting. And I'm just going to uh, read that, the headline and then I'm going to paste the link in the Facebook chat and Shirley can put it in the BTR chat. The headline is this. Mm-hmm. A main teenager was suspended for bullying after posting notes about rapist at her school. Ah, yes. I know what you're talking about. And this is the number one reason for the for the uh, necessary supernova rant rock. I dropped the link in there if you could pass that on. So here's what's going on. See if this makes any more sense to you guys than it does to me. A young woman from Maine, Ayla Mansman, recently posted warnings about the prevalence of sexual harassment and assault within the student body of her high school. The result? She was suspended for bullying. Pretty fed up with the persistent sexual victimization, she says, occurs at Cape Elizabeth High School particularly the lack of repercussions for the perpetrators from school administrators, Mansman recently took matters into her own hands. She posted sticky notes throughout the building reading, and I quote, there's a rapist in our school and you know who it is, end quote. Now, before I go on, there are several intertwining tweets, and I'm not going to read all of them, but if you want to see them, you can uh, Go to the link and, and see. I'll read. I'll hit them up on their 
relevant, but uh, I'm not going to read all of them, and this is not going to make any sense. Uh, Mansman has won awards for her activism and advocacy around issues of teen sexual assault, including a summit she led on the topic. But despite these efforts, students reported being ignored by administrators when reporting incidents to the school. As Mansman put it to local NBC affiliate WCSH, we don't feel believed. We don't feel supported. And Mansman's sticky note campaign, it seems, was no exception. Rather than take the situation seriously, the school launched a full-force investigation into Mansman's actions. As she told BuzzFeed News, for three weeks, myself and other students were brought in for interviews and interrogation. They promised all of us whoever put notes up would not be in trouble. This, despite what Mansman described as an effort targeting not one specific perpetrator, but several individuals, who had all gone unpunished. Again, speaking to BuzzFeed, it was really addressing the general culture of our school and keeping in mind several specific cases, but there are so many, it's hard to pinpoint just one and advocate for just one of them. It was for this reason that Mansman's campaign never mentions a single name, but a student filed a complaint anyway, resulting in disciplinary action. Speaking to the Portland Press-Herald, Mansman said, I was told someone made a complaint that I was bullying them. So I thought, why is this person self-identifying as the alleged rapist? But despite the seeming self-incrimination, Ayla told BuzzFeed News, the school took steps to suspend me versus further investigating that self-identification. In a statement, a spokesperson for the school superintendent defended the school's actions saying, the school has never disciplined a student for advocating for their peers or their views on cultural, social, and political matters. However, the statement goes on to say, it is important to understand, however, that when a student's speech bullies another student, we are required by law and by school board policy to investigate and take prompt action, even if that same student has also spoken out on a matter of public concern. That logic didn't square with a swath of the student body of Cape Elizabeth and surrounding mm-hmm. schools. About, mm-hmm. 50 students st- about 50 students staged a walkout on Monday to protest the suspensions and show everyone's support for the survivors that walk our halls every day, as Mansman put it. That support was echoed online with plenty of people standing by Mansman's side. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and here's where I'm going to read at least some of the tweets. Uh, one okay. replied to the Washington Post's tweet about a thing. Once again, we tell women and girls to push back aggressively against sexual harassment and assault and then punish them when they do that. Mm-hmm. Another one says, why don't women report it? And another one says, how is that bullying? Sounds more like a warning to other young girls to beware. To bully someone, you have to single them out. And it, I'll skip over the rest of the tweets here, but there's a number of them kind of falling in lo- along with those lines. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ayla and her parents are appealing the suspension, and among the demands presented at the student walkout was expungement of whistleblowers' records. Pending a hearing this week, Mansman is playing the waiting game. As she put it to BuzzFeed, I'm hoping it does get expunged, but we'll see. 
There's nothing else I can do at that point. Mm-hmm. Seems a little ridiculous, doesn't it? I thought schools were in business to protect their students. Yeah. So if there's a if there's a racist at school that's raping people, and it does not necessarily imply that Ayla Mansman knows who it is, or if she does, she's definitely not naming and shaming them. If you ask me, that's not bullying. That's looking out for the the rest of the student body. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that she's done anything justifying any kind of punishment from the school. And since these are high school age kids, when they're in school, the school has a legal obligation to protect those kids. And even if this rape occurs outside of school and off school grounds, the fact of the matter is there is somebody in that student body that poses a real threat to who knows how many members of that student body. Mm-hmm. And if they think suspending her for bullying is looking out for the student's best interest, boy, I would not send my kids to that school. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say she's done everything she's supposed to. She says, there's somebody at school that's a rapist. They don't mm-hmm. identify the rapist. One student filed a complaint, presumably for bullying, but I don't know if that's necessarily clear based on the article. Well, if the student is complaining about these notes, saying that they're being bullied, they're basically outing themselves. The school should be taking that seriously. And it seems to me like they're not. Hmm. I believe it. I honestly believe it. Okay, well, here's something that popped up earlier today from Dr. Marshall Shepard. You know, he does he does the weather the Weather Geeks podcast. Well, just got this in from the uh, Washington Post. Now, normally, you know, I, we don't like to bring up politics, but guess what? Remember the remember the the drama of Sharpie Gate. Mm-hmm. Well. This was out today. Uh, top Commerce Department aides orchestrated NOAA's Hurricane Dorian statement, House Science Committee Chair says. All right, let me check the studio here. All right. Okay, so here is what's going on. All right. Except, what am I doing? <laughs> All right, let me go. Let me see if I can go back here. Okay, here we go. All right, uh, a letter sent today from the chair of the House Science Committee to Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross reveals that it was the Commerce Department, not the leadership of its National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that cra- that drafted a controversial NOAA statement back on September 6 that backed President Trump's false statement about the path of Hurricane Dorian. The statement contradicted NOAA's own meteorologist and weather forecast office in Birmingham, Alabama. The unsigned, the unsigned statement has generated at least three investigations, including one by the Science Committee, another by NOAA's chief scientist, 
and well, of course the other one, as well as the Commerce Department's Inspector General. The new letter from Committee Chair Eddie Bernice Johnson from Texas contains previously unknown information about how that statement, which may have violated NOAA's scientific integrity policy, was written. Pardon me while I get some water here. Mm. Let's trust me, my mouth dries out. Okay. Uh, the new, let's see, uh, here's the background. Trump wrongly tweeted that Alabama would most likely be hit much harder than anticipated on September 1st, even when the state was not within the National Hurricane Center's cone of uncertainty, the zone most likely to be affected. The National Weather Service Forecast Office in Birmingham, responding to an influx of calls from worried residents in the wake of the president's tweet, issued a tweet of its own by saying Dorian would not affect Alabama. At the time, the NWS's forecast guidance showed only a very small risk, about 5%, of tropical storm force winds for a small portion of Alabama. Trump's tweet that Alabama would be affected by the storm gained national attention when, during an Oval Office press availability, he presented the version of the forecast cone from August 29th extended into Alabama, modified using a Sharpie. The crudely altered map made ma- the crudely altered map appeared to represent an effort to retroactively justify the original Alabama tweet. So here are the players involved. The new letter reveals that the drafting process for the NOAA statement, which rebuked the Birmingham Forecast Office for speaking in absolute terms, was orchestrated by three of Ross's top deputies, including his chief of staff. According to the letter, that information was passed on to the Science Committee by Neil Jacobs, acting head of NOAA, in an interview with committee staff last week. Now the Science Committee is asking for interviews with the Commerce Department officials, as well as communications concerning the NOAA statement and drafts of it. In addition, Jacobs told the Science Committee that White House Acting Chief Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney was involved in high-level conversations about that statement through the Commerce Department officials. As the Washington Post has previously posted, (laughs) Mulvaney was acting at the request of Trump. Jacobs reported that he was the first contacted uh, he was first contacted by issuing the statement during the pre-dawn hours of September 6th by Michael Walsh Jr., chief of staff to Ross, and that the department was drafted on the computer of Dave DeWurst, <laughs> DeWurst, I like that one, uh, deputy general counsel at the Commerce Department. Yeah, Dave's DeWurst. <laughs> Jacobs said, commerce, uh, Jacobs said Commerce political staff provided feedback on the draft statement and that Earl Comstock, the agency's director of policy, was also involved. With Noah, Julie K. Roberts, an, another political appointee who serves as Jacobs' deputy chief of staff and communications director, was also engaged in drafting the statement, Jacobs said. Aside from Jacobs himself, who holds a Ph.D. in meteorology, none of the other individuals involved in its drafting is a scientist. Wow, what a shock. Not. <laughs> let's see. Um, let's see, here it is. NOAA's scientific integrity policy prohibits political interference with conduct and communication of the agency's scientific findings. Jacobs had fought issuing the statement and also tried to block the paragraph that admonished the National Weather Service Office in Birmingham that tweeted that Alabama would not see any impacts from Hurricane Dorian. However, Jacobs lost both of those arguments, according to two people familiar with the matter who spoke to the Post. The Science Committee letter was a follow-up to a letter sent on September 11th to Ross requesting answers to questions and documents pertaining to Trump's tweet and the events that followed. The September 11th letter 
requested a response from the Commerce Department by September 20th, but Thursday's letter noted that the committee has yet to receive any responsible materials and asked for them as soon as possible, no later than October 18th, a week from tomorrow. So I guess uh, Sonogate is back on again. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Oh, me. Okay, now I got one. I posted this one. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. All right. For anybody out there who happens to be the, a fan of the 1990s X-Men cartoon series, uh, brace yourself for this one. X-Men's theme song faces lawsuit over similarities to Hungarian police drama. I saw that, and although I have never seen the the cartoon series, my first question is, similar is not necessarily the same. And right. number two, why are you waiting some 20-plus years to file a lawsuit over this? I agree. Because both, both, both works were in existence 20 years ago. This should have mm-hmm. been done 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, for all we but, know, the, the X-Men, cart, X-Men uh, opening sequence might just be either a throwback or an homage to it, or mm-hmm. it could just be a simple coincidence. Yeah. All right, so I posted the link in the chat, and uh, by the way, Sajo and bring bringing it. Um, I cannot post the links in the chat room anymore for some reason. It won't let me post links. All right. Anyway, uh, this was posted yesterday. Uh, X Men's theme song faces lawsuit over similarities to Hungarian police drama. Let's see. The theme song to X-Men the Animated Series is undeniably amazing, but now there are accusations that it was stolen. A Hungarian man has filed a lawsuit against Marvel, Disney, Fox, Apple, Amazon, and others, along with folks from Saban Entertainment, claiming that the theme song was plagiarized. io9 has looked into the lawsuit, which was filed Monday and first reported by TMZ. Zoltan Krisko, who claims to be managing the estate for Hungarian composer Georgi Vukan, says Vukan's theme song for the 1980s crime drama Linda the Policewoman bears striking similarity to the one created for X-Men the Animated Series, which debuted almost a decade later in 1992. And believe it or not, there is a, they have Linda the Policewoman on um, YouTube. Anyway, Linda the Policewoman, which was created by Georgi Gott and distributed by Hungarian National Television, is described in the lawsuit as a household name. That's not inaccurate. Running from 1983 to 1989, Linda was a popular show that not only brought kung fu fighting styles to Eastern Europe television, but also apparently contributed to reshaping gender norms during the Iron Curtain. Even though Hungary was isolated from much of the Western world during this time, the lawsuit claims the folks behind X-Men's theme song still associated with Hungarian animators, which could have exposed them to Linda. The suit includes this. During the 1980s, cooperation between film industry professionals from different countries, including from the Eastern and Western world, existed despite oh dear, which one more? Um, 
despite the still standing Iron Curtain. Based on information and belief, as professionals in the animation film industry, defendants Ronald Wasserman, Hyam Saban, and Shuki Levy all came in contact with Hungarian professionals in the film industry. And we were aware of the famous animation workshop at Pannonia. Pannonia Studio Film Studio in Hungary, where Hungarian film and industry professionals such as Georgi Vukan were fre- frequent visitors. Pardon my drink some water again. Mm. 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 All right, that's better. Along with the companies, Crisco is suing Ron Watchman and Shuki Levy, two composers for X-Men, the animated series, who have each at one point taken credit for the theme song. The suit accuses several companies and folks that produced, distributed, syndicated, or otherwise profited from the show of enabling the copyright infringement of Vukan's work, a problem that could still continue since Disney is reportedly putting consi- considering putting the series on Disney+. Plus. That's been confirmed. It is putting on Disney+. Plus. That said, Vukan's composition wasn't registered for copyright in the United States until 2017, which is when Crisco said he first learned about the X-Men, the animated series. Crisco was asking for damages and to award any profit attributable to him and asking the court to restrain them from others from infringing on the copyright further. This isn't the first time the X-Men theme song has been accused of borrowing from other works. Several folks have cited its similarity to Whitney Houston's I'm Your Baby Tonight, which came out in 1990. But unlike this situation, it doesn't look like that ever resulted in a lawsuit. Seriously? I'm Your Baby Tonight? Give me a page. If I can be so frank, I see a minimum of three problems here. Okay. Number one, they mentioned that... uh, Hungary was effectively uh, cut off from the Western world from the Iron Curtain back in the in the communist days, which it was. Mm-hmm. Right. So, if Hungary was effectively isolated from the West, how could they have possibly known about this work and that it was copyrighted? Problem number two. They say that they, uh, Ron Wasserman, who has also worked on Power Rangers, and Shuki mm-hmm. Levy, who also has worked on Power Rangers, had contact with Hungarian people. Well, mm-hmm. that Hungarian people may not have anything to do with this guy and his thing. <laughs> right. They're not going to, he's not going to say, oh, I think you should go and use this as your theme song for a completely unrelated cartoon series. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's about as ridiculous as it gets. And then number three, and this is perhaps the biggest thing of all that's going to hurt their case is in order to say that the cartoon song infringes on his, it would have to be copyrighted or and or trademarked here in America. And as the end of the article clearly states, that didn't happen until 2017. Mm-hmm. You can't copyright it in America and then go back and say, this work some 25 years prior is in violation of your copyright. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but when that came out, you didn't hold a copyright in the U.S., for your product. 
they don't retroactively give companies money for copyright infringements. Going forward, yes. Going backward, no. And I think he's going to he, he is going to find that he's not going to get much, if anything, out of this, quite frankly. And that all, of course, is assuming that mm-hmm. any kind of theft happened here. I didn't watch the cartoon back then, so I'm not familiar with the theme song. I also didn't watch this police woman whatever. So again, I'm not familiar with it. So I can only speak in an if sense. And then, of course, the fourth thing, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. If there is a correlation between the two, what if they made the X-Men theme song as a throwback toward his? Kind of, you know, derivative, basically a derivative work, so to speak. And generally speaking, derivative works are protected under fair use. I don't think this this lawsuit for infringement really has a whole lot of grounds to stand on. But it's his right to file it. Just be prepared for significant disappointment. That's all I got on that. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. Um, what else is new? We got a. Let's see. Got the hundred and two. Got the meteorologist. Let's see. Oh, I gotta put this one in. This is what this is what you would call a very funny story. How in the world would you like to have this happen to you? Man opens up opens up his card because there's something not quite right. What's up? There are 200 walnuts under the hood of the car. Oh my! I and this saw is definitely that and all I can say is oh my. Yeah, and the only thing I got to say to that is it sure is getting kind of squirrely around here, isn't it? <laughs> Damn! Oh, and it's I so squirrely around here. It's it's nuts. Oh yeah, exactly. And Iceland's in the chat as well. Um, sorry I'm late. I just watched the Houston Astros beat the Tampa Bay Rays six to one to advance in the ALCS. Good. Because I'll tell you something. I I did not watch the in the National League games last night. Uh, let's see. The Dodgers lost on the Grand Slam, and Atlanta the Atlanta Rays were slaughtered. So plain and simple. Yeah, but anyway, hey, I shine. But yeah, this is this story is just too. It was I saw it's like, oh, I gotta post this one. This is too funny. <laughs> All right. So anyway, this was back on Tuesday, out of Pittsburgh. A couple in Pennsylvania discovered more than 200 walnuts and tons of grass and hay under the hood of their car after smelling burning from the engine. 
Chris Persick says his wife, Holly Persick, called from the library Monday to tell him about a burning smell and weird noise coming from her vehicle. He told her to look under the hood, and she discovered a stash of walnuts, grass, and hay that squirrels were apparently storing for the winter. <laughs> Let's see. They were everywhere, under the battery, near the radiator fan, Chris Persick told CNN. The walnuts in the engine block were black and smelt like everything were definitely roasting. The Persicks say there were more than 200 walnuts stuffed under the car's hood. It took them about an hour to pull everything out, and the walnuts filled up a half a trash can. Fortunately, it wasn't all dry because they said it probably would have caught fire. So yeah, check underneath the hood, Chris Persick said. He says his wife normally uses the car for work, but during the weekend prior to the discovery, they used this truck instead. Uh, we have a we had a tree guy here, and I made a comment for how many walnuts are, there are up in that tree. It's amazing you don't see them all over the ground, Chris Persick said. And now we know where they all went. There was no damage to the car beyond it needing a cleanup. And this is the post he put on Monday. Uh, here's a little PSA for everyone on this rainy Monday: Rodies, rodents and vehicles do not mix. Let's see. Uh, now, it's already about the pop the hood and such, but this is important. Long story short, if you park outside, do yourself a favor and check under the hood every once in a while. My truck may have had a squirrel two through pull out of fuel injector hose, and always looked like they were storing it up for the next three winters. When it's absolutely nuts, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that actually was intended. <laughs> but we'll give yep. it a minute of the doubt yeah, well, guess what? Happy birthday! Happy Thank birthday you. to you! Happy birthday, Happy birthday to you! To you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday dear, Janet. dear Janet! Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you! <laughs> and many more. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. How was the dinner? Oh, wonderful. Good. Listen, I got a little mess to clean up. Don't hang up. Okay, we're not. Okay, let me do this. Because she can't mute the phone. <laughs> right. Well, I got the, I'm going to read a couple of other, couple of other ones that I posted, one by you and one by Jan, just to, because we haven't talked about them, and they were posted in the last couple of days. Okay. Um, how many how many of you out there remember the old cartoon Animaniacs? Hell yeah. I know I do. I didn't watch a whole lot of it, but I do remember that everybody loves Wacko and Yakko and all of Dot. It. Yeah. Well, Yakko and, and Dot, Dot Pinky yeah. the Brain. <laughs> Pinky in the Brain. Well, it's, it's, uh, it was announced a couple of years ago that Steven Spielberg was teaming up with Hulu to revive the series. And now it looks like we got a nice little surprise in relation to that. Mm-hmm. Put the link in the chat here. And yep. I know you know what it is, Shirley, because you're the one who originally posted this. Oh, the yeah. Original, the original voice cast of Animaniacs is coming back for the revival. That's right. Mm-hmm. They're coming back. That includes Rob Paulson as Yakko, yep. Chris McNeil as Dot, and Jess Harnell as Wacko. There was an announcement on Twitter that said that from the Animanic cast, says, we are very pleased to finally see in print today 
and at Yakko Pinky's Voice Lessons that the original voice cast of Hashtag Animaniacs has indeed been working on the upcoming reboot. Mm-hmm. They're back. Yeah, and the funny who, thing is, who, I have the I have the Voice Lessons book. I'll have to get to that chapter. <laughs> Hulu has already greenlit two seasons of Animaniacs, and the series is being co-produced by Amblin TV and Warner Brothers Animation and will premiere in 2020. Yeah, we got a long way to go, but I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. The new Animaniac centers on Warner Brothers, Yakko and Wacko, and the Warner sister, Dot, three inseparable, irascible siblings who have a great time wreaking havoc and mayhem in the lives of everyone they meet. They had been locked away in the Warner Brothers water tower for a very long time, but they have found a way to escape, and escape they do every day. Causing chaos and comic confusion, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot run loose in the city, turning the world into their personal playground. Fan favorite characters Pinky and the Brain will also return to make appearances in each episode. So I love the original series. I don't know when the last time you watched it was, but it's actually pretty surprising to see what they actually got away with in a kid's cartoon series. There's oh, a lot yeah. of stuff in it that's, that's very adult and would be considered politically incorrect these days. Hopefully, the new series embraces that same style of comedy. Do you think they will? That's going to be the big question. And the other one was uh, posted, actually was posted twice. First by iShine and then by Jan. This Mm -hmm. is kind of a heartwarming story. Someone dropped this in the chat. About McDonald's in Sweden. That actually did something very, You were reading the article about the squirrel, right? Yeah. We did that already. And you mm-hmm. are reading the one about the McDonald's in Sweden turning their billboards into bee hotels. I'm yeah. just about to read that one, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that found but that found, one. Uh, well, I shine posted it too. Uh, uh-huh. McDonald's in Sweden turns roadside billboards into tiny hotels to save honeybees. McDonald's is once again taking part in saving the bees by building roadside billboards that also serve as bee hotels. Honeybees aren't listed as endangered species, but it is alarming to know that their population around the world has been rapidly declining the past few years. One of the major causes of this phenomenon is the destruction of their habitat. The impact is not just on these insects, as pollinating bees are responsible for one-third of the food that we eat. Thanks to them, we are able to consume a variety of crops that aid in our survival. In Sweden, 30% of wild bees are at risk of extinction. That's why instead of serving solely as marketing tools, McDonald's in Sweden has found a way to incorporate bee sanctuaries into their roadside ads. Partnering with outdoor advertising firm J.C. Deco, the fast food giant attached bee habitats onto the back of their previously built roadside billboards. If the project proves to be effective, they will be implementing more in the coming spring. This is not the first time that McDonald's has done a project like this to save the bees. Previously, the restaurants in Sweden installed beehives in their roofs to promote bee biodiversity. They also recently auctioned off a fully functioning beehive called the McHive 
which was dubbed as the world's smallest McDonald's. Inspired by the initiative of the franchise, other restaurants in Sweden have also built similar structures. They installed permanent wood signs with holes drilled into them, which can serve as homes for the bees as well. The company is hoping that through these efforts, thousands of wild bees would have homes, allowing their species to multiply and thrive. Kudos to McDonald's mm-hmm. and the other food establishments in Sweden that did their part in saving the bees. It is truly an innovative idea that should be replicated by businesses around the world. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Yeah, Amen I agree. That, that. Is, that is a good story. It sure would save the bees from mistaking flowers on shirts for edible food. True. Now, let me explain that, Tim. It was quite a while back, and I was wearing a um, uh, tank top that happened to have a floral pattern. I'm out by a set of yellow bells, which are in our side yard. Mm-hmm. And this one bee flew up to my shirt thinking the flowers were edible. Had uh, Oh, my. It actually landed on my chest. Oh, dear. By the way, did I miss anything? No, not really. Good. Yeah, I wasn't going to get on it, and I decided I would. And you asked me what did I order? Voice lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that book by, that book by Rob Paulson. Oh, I like the music I hear. Oh, that was my brother's, um, my brother's, um, friendiversary video. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, anyway, get ready to stand by for stupid. (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah, get ready to stand by for stupid. Here's why. Um, now you all know Stephen Reed has become the first African-American mayor of Montgomery. Right? Well, look at it this way. Some people, naturally, were not too thrilled about it. And a real estate agent tried to do something, um, like, you know, if people wanted to get out, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you sell your house. He got fired for doing that. He had it coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, real smart. Not... And there's like a certain... Sound like um, he's a prejudice so-and-so, too. Yeah. Anyway, here's what's going on. A real estate agent was fired after posting an advertisement encouraging people to use his home selling services if they were upset after the Montgomery election when the voters elected an African-American to be mayor. Hey, Montgomery, don't like the election results? Call me. Let's sell that home while the market is hot. The Facebook advertisement with an EXP reality logo set. Realty, not reality. Realty logo said the dog whistle advertisement with Craig Shade posing in it was posted after Stephen Reed was elected Tuesday night in, to lead the city of Montgomery, which has a majority black population but has never had an African American in its highest office. Cynthia Novak, EXP Vice President of Marketing and Communications, told the advertiser in an email that the company was not aware of the advertisement before it was posted and fired Shade after learning of it. 
We, re- we reviewed the situation and terminated the agent. He is no longer an agent with EXP, Novak wrote. In addition, we are discussing how we advocate for diversity and inclusion and will educate all staff and agents on these matters. Pardon me for just a second. I'll take some water. Hmm. Oh, I broke my straw. Damn it. Anyway, Shade could not be reached for comment. Uh, when the advertiser contacted him today. He also resigned today from his treasurer, treasurer position with the Montgomery Association of Realtors. Real smart, stupid. Uh, let's see. As of today, we asked for his resignation, and we received it today, said Association CEO Brad Owen. Shade was a managing broker, according to EXP's website. The website said Shade served multiple areas, including Montgomery, Pike Road, Prattville, Deedsville, Elmore, Millbrook, and Wetumpka. Craig Shade has made a career of offering five-star customer service with innovative and out-of-the-box thinking, his profile states. Shade's professional website, homesearchalabama.com, brings up a page that says the domain has been suspended. EXP is a remote real estate agency with thousands of agents. The company rewards stocks to agents as a reward for hitting sales goals and recruiting new agents. Reed won the election in a runoff in a landslide. He beat television station owner David Woods, gaining 32,918 votes to Woods' 16,010 votes, according to unofficial results. Reed will be sworn into office November 12th at Montgomery City Hall. Reed, who was also Montgomery County's first African-American probate judge, spoke of inclusiveness and opportunity for all in his victory speech Tuesday night. This election has never been about just my ideas, he said. It's been about all of the hopes and dreams that we have as individuals and collectively in this city. And the way we've and the way we found the opportunity to improve outcomes regardless of neighborhood, regardless of zip code, regardless of anything that may divide us or make us different from one another. So well done on his okay. part. But for that for that real estate agent, I got one thing to say to you, pal. You are stupid. 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 And don't forget, you are stupid. <laughs> Sounds like that um, real estate guy was prejudiced. Probably a racist. Probably a racist. Probably. But mm-hmm. you know what? His racism just cost him. Yep, exactly. It's like, seriously, man, serves you right. Quick acting like a horse puck. Yep. Let's see, we got six minutes to go. All right, got time for one more thing. I posted this yesterday, and I like this idea. Uh, you know, they're not trying to, you know, people are trying to not use plastic straws in restaurants. Well, in Italy, they've replaced plastic straws with pasta straws. In oh other words, you can, you can eat the straw. Raw or cooked? It's probably raw. <laughs> It would be kind of hard. It's kind of hard to cook, but let's see. This was posted back last week on the second. Forget plastic straws. Forget paper straws. As the world searches for ways to stop the planet being filled with rubbish, pasta straws are the key. Ever since McDonald's removed plastic straws from its restaurants and subbed in paper straws, the straw debate seems to be never ending. Well, Italian bars seem to be taking impressive initiative, giving their customers pasta straws for their drinks. Oh, 
and this is courtesy of Reddit. Yeah, here in Italy, bars are starting to use pasta and straws to reduce plastic use. Our technology amazes the world another time. Uh, posted on Reddit by Grand Fabio, the user shared a snap of their drink with a pasta straw, writing, Here in Italy, bars are starting to use pasta and straws to reduce plastic use. Our technology amazes the world another time. People responding to the picture love the idea. One user wrote, Italian engineering at its finest, while another commented, Now you're speaking my linguini. <laughs> As it turns out, Good one. As it turns out, pasta straws aren't a groundbreaking development. A few places in the UK have been trying them out. Let's see. In fact, you can order pasta straws from Strudels, who specialize in straws made from wheat and water and, and that are 100% vegan and biodegradable. They also last for up to an hour. Just don't use them to drink your tea or coffee. They are also totally tasteless and can be left on the compost heap when you're finished with them. A spokesman for Strudels told Metro, you can use Strudels and sleep guilt-free as being a food product that decompose overnight without any extra action, unlike paper straws, which take 30 to 60 days. As with any straw, it is not recommended to drink hot beverages with it, as it might cause probable injury like tongue burn. Strudels are recommended for use with cold drinks, unless you want to make a noodle soup. Let's see. Uh, back in 2018, Brace and Browns on White Lady Jordan Bristol introduced pasta straws in a bid to cut down on plastic. The owners told the BBC that customers' reactions have been positive. Apparently, they don't affect the drink's taste whatsoever. Elena Polisano, Ocean Plastics Campaign Manager at Greenpeace UK, told The Sun last year, There are some people who genuinely need straws to be able to drink independently, but for most people, they're a bit daft and unnecessary. Pasta straws are a new one on us, but it's brilliant to see the kinds of ideas people are coming up with to help stop the flow of plastic pollution into the environment. The best alternatives to plastic straws should be accessible for all, reduce waste, and move us away from the throwaway culture we've become used to. Pasta straws couldn't be the way forward. Of course, could be the way forward. Of course, certain kinds are better than others. You wouldn't want to use linguine, for example. Bucatini is your best bet. Or you can buy strudels. <laughs> and let's see. We're almost out of time, but um, that's a neat idea. I like that. Of course, I'd have to have the gluten-free version <laughs> <laughs> all right so anyway um tomorrow night it's the first it's the return of the all-out reviews but we'll still have the naughty mad lives because hell i can i can restrict my reviews to 10 minutes or less <laughs> Woo! so definitely looking forward to that tomorrow and oh yes one thing to note uh next friday the 8th we're not going to have a show at all because I will be up in Florence, Alabama, getting ready for my niece's wedding the following Saturday. So Okay. So no show next Friday on the 18th because I will be out. Maybe we could shift our naughty Mad Libs to Thursday? Mm, it's an idea, but we're, it's a, well, yes, that might not be a bad idea. Because all my air brochures, my air brochures, my air brochures, no, it's okay. Don't worry. Hey, all my shows end on Tuesday. It's Sunday through Tuesday, so it's not all bad. Okay. All right, so anyway, yeah. So anyway, um, let's see. We are running out of time. So 
please remember to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us at our website, beyondtheairwaves.weebly.com. If you ever miss an episode, there are three ways to catch up. First, there's the Stitcher.com app available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle Store. Second, you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from blogtalkradio.com. And finally, you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search in the podcast for Beyond the Airwaves, and you'll find many of our episodes there. So with that in mind, this is love, peace, and chicken grease. Everybody have a great night, sleep well, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow for the All Out Review and Naughty Mad Lib Show. That is all for tonight. Have a great night, and remember... You I almost had him. I had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you. Shut up! Woo! And we got this. I'm Groot. Mm-hmm. I'm Groot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm Groot. Oh, shit! <laughs> Please come back with that. All right, and finally, I'm choosing this for the end. This is the voice of the Mysterons. We know you can hear us, Earthmen. Shut up! Don't! (laughs) And you know what, Janet, since it's your birthday, you get to choose one. Hmm. How about the Colonel White one? All right. Let's use... Not a stroll around the deck. Oh, that one. All right. Let's use this one. This is a red alert. Not a stroll around the deck. Move. Shut up. (laughs) All right. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. All right. So that's all for tonight. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Night, y'all. Shanna. Shanna. And thanks for the birthday song. Thanks for the birthday song. You're quite welcome.